0: me, if you would, in your Bibles, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. We'll begin reading this morning in verse 9, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. The Bible tells us, But we see him, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, And bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have the same source or all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing of your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am. like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Let's pray. And Father in heaven, we do thank you this morning for your word, we thank you for the truth that are found in it, that guide us and direct us daily in our daily lives. We thank you, Lord God, for the salvation that you have provided for us in uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for his death and his resurrection and the new life that he gives to us. We thank you, Lord God, for the Holy Spirit that dwells within us and and, uh, helps us to understand the things that are true and the things that are important. We do pray that you would be with us this morning, that you would guide our hearts and our minds to hear what you would have for us to hear. Lord, help um, my voice not to be that which is heard, but your voice. Help our hearts to be intent on hearing from you. And Lord God, that in the end, our lives might be changed and you might be glorified. We love you, Lord, and are thankful for the privilege to be here and to have a, a, your word to read and study. And we give you the praise for it all in Christ's name. Amen. As we conclude um, our look at chapter number two of Hebrews this morning. And the theme, is, the theme of, this, of this chapter is Jesus is, is a better fit than angels. We come to this verse and chapter towards the end that deals with... Um, the fact, uh, verse number 15, if you want just, to just look at it with me for a moment, the Bible tells us that, and to deliver us, to deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong sla- slavery, the scriptures are telling us that um, there's a certain fear that we have in life that drives us to a, a bondage, that, that drives us, the word that's used here is the idea of Slavery. There's fear in life that drives us into slavery, and the slavery that's spoken of in the book of Hebrews, as well as many other passages of Scripture in the Bible, is a slavery to a system. It's a slavery to some type of a system that causes us to feel safe, that causes us to feel secure, that causes us to feel like we're in control again. In other words, there's something that we create on our own. We, we, we've, we, we've all been there before. We, we face a fear, and then because we face that fear, we develop some kind of a system that helps us cope with that fear and makes us feel safe, makes us feel like we're back in control again, and that thing that we fear can no longer hurt us or harm us. And many of our, our religious systems today are built around that reality, and they create a fear, they promote a fear, they point out a fear, and then they build on creating ways for you to cope with or to deal with that fear. And this is where all of the systems come from, and the book of Hebrews is written in such a way as to tell uh, a, a bunch of new converts not to go back to the system that they trusted before to help them deal with these fears. In other words, this group of people has trusted in Jesus Christ for their salvation. They have placed their faith in Christ and Christ alone to deliver them from eternal condemnation. But they're being wooed back, if you will, to dealing with certain life fears into trusting in systems again. To putting things in place so that, so that we no longer have to feel um, perhaps a little bit insecure in this life perhaps to feel a little bit out of control. So these systems, specifically in in this case in Hebrews, the Old Testament uh, ceremonial laws, these systems create for people a false security that if trusted in will ultimately lead to guilt, condemnation, and destruction. The the writer in the book of Hebrews implies on it, at least two occasions that there are people who um, experience something to do with the spirit of God. They, maybe they experience the, the ceremonies. They, there's, there's, there's a sense of they're having a spirituality, but they revert back into these systems, and ultimately they are condemned as well with the world. We know that that doesn't mean that a person can lose their salvation because the Bible is clear on that, but there are those who are possibly close to salvation and revert back into some form of a system that brings them comfort and security, other than obviously Jesus Christ. In the same way that fear of punishment keeps a person obedient to physical laws, um, The reason why we don't go down and take all the money from the bank is because we know we will go to jail. There are times in your life that you are so angry with somebody that you would like to hurt them, but you don't do it because you know that you might go to jail for hurting them. These physical laws keep us from doing things because we don't want to face the consequences of those things. The same thing is true about spiritual laws. There are spiritual laws that are in place. And those spiritual laws often keep us in bondage to spiritual systems. Okay, we can talk about hell and we can talk about judgment and we can talk about condemnation and all of those things are true and all of those things are foundational, but, all, but none of those things are, are fundamental to why we move forward with Jesus. They're not foundational to our Christian faith Jesus Christ is foundational to our Christian faith. So we have this fear that keeps us doing the right things in life. We have a similar fear, a spiritual fear, that often keeps us doing the right things in the spiritual realm. Okay, I don't know if we got some sound going on. Okay, (laughs) that's all right. I sensed that there was a little distraction going on and I was trying to figure out what it was, so. It's better just to point it out than to try to slide past it, right? All right, going back to where we were, okay? Um, so, that being said, remember this. While these laws are often helpful in restraining our rebe- a rebellious heart, or they're often helpful in restraining the flesh, they have no power to change it. These laws, these rules and regulations, these systems that we place ourselves in, they can help restrain somebody from doing um, really evil things, but they have no power in changing that individual's heart, and because they have no power of changing that individual's heart, they cannot help them when it comes to actually facing the Lord on Judgment Day. They cannot change hearts. Submission to rules and regulations cannot change who we are. A changed heart doesn't need laws, and a rebellious heart doesn't want laws. Look at what the scripture says in 1 Timothy 1 9. Understand this that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane. And for those who strike their fathers and mothers and for murderers. The law is meant for those who break it, not for those who keep it. The law is meant for those who are not in Christ, not for those who are in Christ. The laws are very helpful for those who have uh, rebellious hearts to restrain them from doing very evil things. But the law is not necessary for those of us who have found new life in Christ. The law is not needed. We don't need to be restrained any longer because we have a new heart. And our new heart causes us to follow after right things. And it, in and of itself, restrains us. And we don't need systems to accomplish what Christ accomplishes in us. Remember, the goal of Hebrews is to keep us from converting or reverting back to these fearful Bondages, And in our culture today, or, or to modernize that, the theme of Hebrews is to keep us from going back into bondage to religious systems, to uh, structures and forms that cause us, again, to not, be a, to not be fearful. They give us a sense of security. They give us a sense of hope. They give us a sense of um, control. But in the end, they can do nothing to change a person's heart. Jesus points out in Matthew 24, you guys will remember the story. He tells us in Matthew 24 and verse 1 and 2 that, in, that he's going to destroy the temple. And the idea of it is, is, not that he's going to destroy the temple as a building, but he's going to destroy the temple as a system. And the system of the temple is going to be destroyed, or uh, the system of the uh, works, the, the Mosaic law, if you will, is going to be done away with in, in the sense of that it's going to be fulfilled in Christ. And he tells us in John 20, that or John 2 that he's not going to rebuild another system, but he's going to replace the system that he's going to tear down with his own body. In other words, Christ Jesus is going to become the fulfillment, the Bible tells us, of those things that were required of us. The law of the Old Testament is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And therefore, for those who are in Christ Jesus, the law no longer is necessary in their lives. And the Bible tells us that the law is then written on their hearts. And so the system that we seek to find security and comfort and control in is no longer necessary because the spirit of God is dwelling inside of us and he is the one who is guiding us and we've been given an extraordinary level of liberty and freedom because of this indwelling holy spirit here's what Romans 8 tells us in verse 15 for you have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear You have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons by which you cry, Abba, Father. In verse 21, it says that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And then we read in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you I will give you rest. We have these promises from God, and the Lord is is keeping, is is working to keep people from moving back into the prison of systems and and, and embracing a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is truly the only way that we can experience salvation, but even beyond that, it's the only way that we function in this life. The salvation that we experience when we give our lives to Jesus by faith is not just something that is an event that takes place it's a it's a, a lifelong thing that we we enter into by faith but we live in it by faith as well we we walk in it each and every day the eternal deliverance that we experience the moment we are justified is the same deliverance that we experience every day in sanctification and one day we experience it when we stand before God and he He gives us glorified, perfect bodies. And and each step along the way is built around this idea of walking in faith. It's walking in the power of Christ, not in our own power. It's walking in his strength, not in our own strength. Christianity is a lifestyle that embraces certain, embraces the absence of certain physical safeties, securities, and control while placing full confidence in Jesus Christ for everything. This is the essence of Hebrews chapter number 11, where you have people doing things that seemingly were crazy from from the natural mind, but there was such an extraordinary faith in Christ that there was nothing beyond the, the people's willingness to attempt. There was no fear in those people at all. And because there was no fear in those people, there was no bondage that they lived in. I mean, think about it. You think Noah would have built an ark if he would have been living in spiritual bondage? I mean, everybody saw what he was doing as being crazy, except his own, was there not religion during that time? Everybody saw what Noah was doing as being foolish. There were probably preachers and ministers saying to him, you're crazy. Because the last time I checked, only eight people got on the boat. That, meant, that left out first church of Whatever. Right? He, he did that out of faith in the Lord. It wasn't built around some system. It was built around faith. There wasn't confidence in a system working for him. It was, it was confidence in the Lord. And you can read through all of Hebrews 11, and you'll see this unfolding fearlessness in the face of so much. And it is the fear That drives us to bondage. And it is the lack of fear that drives us to liberty and freedom in Christ. Fear is what we have to deal with. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Right? But he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has given us that spirit. And the danger is is that we re-embrace this fear that Satan is throwing at us each and every day. We we re-adopt this fear that drives us to trying to solve it by some kind of a system. We put things in place because we're afraid. We put things in place for our kids every day because we're afraid. We try to put them in these little shells, don't we? we, We do it because we love them and we're afraid that something bad might happen to them. But that system will not help them. It might protect them from doing wrong, but it won't change their heart. And that's the danger that they become confident in a system instead of confident in a person. We want to drive into them, not confident in if I if I don't do this or if I stay here, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be free. We want, because that's bondage. It is confidence in Christ. As I walk with Christ, if I, as, I, as I trust in Christ, as I depend upon Christ, that's where there's liberty and freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, there is liberty. There is freedom where the spirit of the Lord is and where there is not liberty, there is the possibility that there is not the spirit of God. Christianity is a life that embraces some of these things that might cause other people to be afraid, but it's okay because we we serve the one who is in control of everything and nothing is beyond his ability and nothing is beyond his strength and his power. In our text, we've looked so far at two different things that cause fear that the Lord gives us. He tells us, in essence, he says, these things cannot hurt you because I have already overcome these things. In, In all three cases that we've looked at, we've looked at two, we'll look at a third one this morning. In both cases that we've looked at, the Lord tells us, it's okay because I've gone in front of you. It's okay because I've already been through it. It's okay because I've already already won the battle. You're not fighting to win the battle. You're living within the victory. Does that make sense? You're living in that the battle has already been won, and you're living in that reality. You're not fighting to win. You're living in victory. And it's not our victory that we live in, right? His death became our death by faith. His resurrection became our resurrection by faith. His life became our life by faith, right? So it's not our victory that we're experiencing. It's his victory that we're a beneficiary of by faith. Amen. We get to benefit from all that he's done by faith. He goes before us. We follow in his footsteps. We use the analogy the first week of a snowplow And how that we often drive behind snowplows and we get where we're going, not because we have a great car or we're great drivers, we get where we're going because there's a snowplow in front of us that's always clearing the path. Do you guys know that that's Jesus? That's what he's done. You can face the difficulties of life not because you're powerful, not because you're smart, not because you're intelligent or you've developed a great system to get you there. You can get where you're going in life because Jesus Christ has already paved the way for you to get there. He went in front of us. This is what the scripture says that he pioneered or he was the founder, the pioneer of our salvation. In suffering, so there are three areas that we have Basically, the Lord says, "I am worthy of your faith in these three areas." And it's interesting because these three areas are the main, main essence of our fears, right? Okay, suffering, death. How many of us like? How many of us fear suffering? Okay, how many of us fear death? And probably all we all, and they're, and they're all they're all inter- intertwined. Okay. And the last one this morning we're going to look at is temptation. How many of us fear temptation? How many of us, how, how many of us maybe it's not the fear of temptation, but it's maybe the fear of failure. How many of us fear, fear failing? We, we fear failing, don't we? So here's what we do when we fear, we fear failure. And that's, that's natural, right? The Lord calls us, to do, calls us to do things that we're not capable of doing, doesn't he? So what we do when we feel failure naturally is we make a system right? We build a system that helps us to get as close to accomplishing the goal. We never get there because what God has asked us to do is impossible for us to do. But we get as close to the goal as we possibly can by our own system, and we feel really good about ourselves, don't we? We feel like, I, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty confident. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in control, and I feel like I got everything together, and I'm pretty confident that I'm close enough that God's going to be okay with it, is God going to be okay with it? Is God okay if we make it to the finish line, but don't cross? You see, the, the, the issue isn't how far we make it. The issue is is what we're trusting in as we journey. Because ultimately Christ Jesus is the only one that's made it. We are, we, we are making it. We, we end up across the finish line. Not because of what we do, but because of what he has done for us. So we live in that freedom of knowing that. And if we revert back into those systems, we enter back into, into bondage. Right? Let me read to you. Galatians 5 and verse 1 says, For freedom, get this, for freedom Christ has set us free. It's one of the most powerful phrases I believe in, the, in all of Scripture. That means that Christ Jesus did all that He could. Jesus Christ did all that He did—His death, burial, and resurrection, and all of His suffering—and His perfect life. He did it all so that you and I could be that you and I could be free. All that Jesus did was to set us free. So what a shame it is. When Jesus Christ does all of this to set us free and we, because we're super spiritual, go right back into prison of systems. Jesus did all that he did so that we didn't have to live or trust in or depend upon any system at all. Just trust in him. He did it all for that reason. But again, we in our natural tendencies lean back towards systems. Galatians 5 and verse 1, again, for freedom, Christ has set us free, stand firm, therefore. Stand fast, therefore. Stand strong, therefore, is the idea. Stand, therefore. Um, Ephesians 6, where the Bible talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. And it says to stand against those things. And when we stand against those things, we use the shield of Systems, right? We use the shield of faith, which is in opposition to those systems. What is the opposite of faith? What is the opposite of faith? It's another F word. Fear is the opposite of faith, and fear drives us to, it drives us to systems. It drives us to wanting to be back in control again wanting to feel safe and secure. He says, stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do not go back into bondage to systems. And then Philippians 3.12 says, not that I have already obtained or that I am already perfect, but I press on that I may, that I may make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And I'm gonna say that... Uh, The terminology that's used here, um, the way that it's translated in this version is is perhaps a little bit ambiguous. I I really like the way the King James translates this when it talks about that I, I am in pursuit of that thing for which Christ purchased me. I am striving towards that thing that was the very reason of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for my sins. What is that thing? Well, we just read it in Galatians 5 and verse 1. For freedom I have set you free. The Lord died so that we would be free, not so that we would be in bondage. So Jesus Christ proved to us that he was fitting, he was sufficient as we face suffering in life. Jesus Christ was fitting to trust him in suffering, right? Right? Jesus Christ was fitting that we could trust him in death. He he died, was buried, and he rose again. The last thing this morning, the the last thing in this text is that we are, or he is, fitting that we can trust him in temptation. We can trust him when we face uh, challenges in our lives. Again, what we want to do is we want to create systems. It's very normal. Some of you have... We, we all have something that we're tempted with, don't we? We all have something that we struggle with, something that challenges our faith, something that challenges our walk. We, we all have something in our life that challenges us in that way. That's the way that the devil works. He's always trying to deplete us of our faith. He's working to destroy our faith. But as we face those challenges, and they often come through temptation, and Jesus Christ faced the greatest temptation of all, when he faced, uh, he faced the serpent in the wilderness, but he faced the serpent in the garden again. And then he, and then he faced death on the cross. Some of the greatest temptations and challenges that were there. But yet, but yet, in all of that temptation, Jesus Christ wins. He wins. There is no temptation that you will ever face in this life that Jesus Christ did not face. There's a, there's a pattern throughout Scripture of three, what we would call three overriding temptations, okay? You see it in Genesis chapter number three with, the, with, um, with Eve and Adam in the garden. We see it in Luke 4 with Jesus Christ being tempted. We also see it in the garden. We see it in John 2 or 1 John 2 when it's talking about Christians. There are three overriding temptations that we all face, the lust of the flesh, okay, means our bodies, the things that we need, the things that we desire in our bodies to be satisfied and to be fulfilled, Um, these can be be a number of different things. We all face the temptation, the challenge to those things. When we face suffering, when we face difficulty, sometimes we're drawn away to um, some kind of a fleshly fulfillment. It can be in the form of an intoxicant. I'm facing troubles in my life, so I'm tempted, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to be intoxicated. It can be in the form of a number of different things. It could be in the form of worry. Temptation comes in many, many different forms, but these three are are the main ones. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the main three. What you see, what you look at, your your pride, um, and your... And your flesh or your body or your physical needs can often become a, a, a strong source of temptation. And Jesus is a great example of that. After being in the wilderness for a number of days, having not eaten, the first temptation that Satan throws at Jesus is what? It's food. Turn this, turn this stone into bread. Right? It's a temptation. It's a challenge to our lives. And when we face that temptation, if that temptation is great enough and we don't want to fail in that temptation, and Christians naturally do not want to fail when they're tempted, right? It's a natural thing. So what do we do? If you face a temptation in life, if you face a challenge in life, and you don't want to fail, what do you do? Okay? What do we naturally do? What do we naturally do when we face a temptation, a struggle, a difficulty that we don't want to fail at? We create a system. That's our, natural way of, that's our natural way of dealing with these things. This is what the Lord is trying to keep the Hebrew people in Hebrews from doing, from reverting back to a system so that when they face struggles, when they face temptation, when they face difficulties, that they'll not go back into faith in a system because faith in a system is the opposite of faith in Christ. It is in those moments of temptation, it is in those challenges in our Christian life, it is in those moments where our flesh is being challenged that we're not to create a system to help ourselves overcome, but it's, it's in those moments that we're to face the, the challenge and we're to defeat it in the power of Christ. It's to lean on him in those moments of temptation not to lean on some kind of a system. And, and let, let me say this to you. Systems work, don't they? How many of you ever used a system to over... How many of you ever been on a diet before? <laughs> hey, it's looking like nobody raises their hands, like, <laughs> come on. Am I alone in this thing? <laughs> right? We've been on diets before, right? You know what that is? It's a system. It's a system, and that system is to help us overcome a. It's help us overcome a, a temptation. It helps us overcome. We we create a system to help us overcome a temptation. How many of you have? How many of you have been on? An, don't even raise your hand. Just ask the question in your mind. How many of you have been on diet after diet after diet? Don't raise your hand. But and they and they always fail. Do you know, do, you're not supposed to raise your hand, okay? Why is that? Why is that? What does that, what does that say to us? Is, that, is, there, is there a reason, is there a spiritual reason that we see that constantly? Because it's a system. Systems don't work. I've known a few people in my life that have committed their physical bodies to the Lord. And, and I'm, not, I'm being honest with you that they literally said, I believe that I'm not doing right in my body because I'm not representing Christ right. And they gave that to the Lord, and they had amazing victories over that area of struggle for them. But see, it wasn't for them the creation of a system to solve a a struggle with temptation. It was a personal relationship with Christ that helped them solve a problem with temptation. You see, that's how we win when we fear failing, and we all do. When we fear failing, the danger is, is to create some way to overcome that failure that ultimately leads to greater failure. A lot of, it's interesting, you guys are probably familiar with this. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of ways that we overcome temptation is by giving into it in another temptation or creating another temptation. And, and, then you, and then you're just cycling through temptations in life because you don't want to be guilty of failing in this area, so you create something over here. Folks, what I want you to know this morning is that Jesus Christ is the only one who can, first of all, who was victorious and is victorious, and he's the only one that can make you victorious. When you face temptation, you are going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to build a system. You're going to be tempted to find a way to overcome that struggle in your flesh. And listen to me, folks, it's an admirable thing. It's a great thing. I don't want to do that anymore, so let me create a system so I don't do that anymore. And we think that God up in heaven praises us for that. The reality of it is, according to Hebrews, the the Lord is saying, don't create a system, trust in the person. That is the one who truly gives us the victory. I've seen it over and over again with different struggles in life. And you guys have been there before too, where I see somebody that falls and gets back up and falls and gets back up and falls. And it just seems like this cycle, this constant, constant cycle of the same thing. And it's like they get back up again and they create another, I'm going to be strong. And they and they develop certain things in their life and they just really are trying to win. But Christ is not the essence of their life. And they're never going to win. It's like, I think it's John Piper who says, you'll never win over temptation until you treasure Christ more than the temptation. Until he becomes more beautiful than whatever it is that's tempting you, you'll never win. You might create a system, you might avert failure for a season, but you'll never win until you see Jesus Christ as bigger and better. Isn't that taught to us in in like Matthew 13 where it talks about, you know, a man who finds the pearl of great price or the man who finds the treasure hidden in the field and he goes and he forsakes everything. Why? Because of the super value of that, of that treasure. What does that treasure represent? It represents Jesus. So the issue is not, can I develop a better system to help me win? The, 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 the issue is, can I have a relationship with Christ that helps me win? Because truly he's the only one who has won and continues to win. Let me look at it. Let's look at a few things <clears throat> in in this text here. Three things that we see from the Lord in regards to his facing temptation and then his being our and his being our only source of victory when we're facing temptation. When we're facing difficulty to find victory in Christ is to see him in this light. And it says this, it says in verse number 17, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every aspect. In other words, Christ Jesus was just like us. The idea of every aspect is is that he was 100% just like us. He was 100% man. And everything that he faced as a man, the pain, the suffering, the hunger, the, the struggles, everything that he faced, he faced them in the same way that we would face them. If he didn't, He would not be a merciful high priest. It would be impossible for him to be merciful had he not faced what we faced in exactly the same way that we face it. He had to become exactly like us. And when I say that, let me clarify We're not talking about us in our fallen state. We're talking about us in our non-fallen state. That's why he's called the second Adam. Adam represents all of us. Christ Jesus came in without the sinful nature, but he came just like Adam. He says this, so that he might become, so he became just like us, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the peoples. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Christ Jesus is able to help us when we are tempted. When we go through difficulties, when we go through struggles, when we go to go through challenges challenges to our faith, Christ is able to help us because he himself has already been through those things. He's already faced those things. He's faced the lust of the flesh. He's faced the lust of the eyes. He's faced the pride of life. He's faced them all in one setting in Luke 4, and he won. He walked away from those things. matter of fact, the scriptures tell us in just a few chapters after this, in chapter 4, that he was tempted in all ways just like we are, yet he never sinned. So when we face temptation, we can go to somebody who wins. How many, how many of you have ever had a struggle in your life and you looked around to find somebody who had the same struggle but was victorious over it? Maybe they had a battle with um, whatever might be the case. Maybe it was alcohol. Maybe they had a battle with alcohol and you were struggling with alcohol and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, boom, they're just like free. And you're like, man, I'd like to be there, so let me go and find out from that person what they did to win over this, this, this struggle and this difficulty. This is the same picture. When we see Christ Jesus as the one who won over all temptation and all struggles in his life, first of all, in his temptations and in his death and resurrection, he faced everything that we would ever face, but he won in each situation. He was victorious. And he was victorious and he went through those things, number one, so that he could understand us. He went through those things so that he could understand us. To become a merciful high priest, the word mercy there, you're, you're familiar with it. It's the, it's the idea of putting, taking your shoes off and putting yourself into somebody else's shoes. It's the idea of experiencing what they experience. It's like understanding them at a whole new level. You hear people talking, they come up to you and they talk to you and you're going through a difficulty and somebody comes up to you that's never had a difficulty in their entire life, right? And you recognize it right away because the way that they talk, it's like, okay, they have no clue what they're talking about right now because they've never been through it. Jesus is not that person. Jesus is the person that has faced everything that we face so that when we come to him, he is a merciful, meaning he is a completely understanding high priest. He understands everything about what we're going through. He understands everything all of our difficulties, all of our struggles, and all of our temptations. And there's none of them that he has never failed or fallen prey to. So therefore, whatever we are being tempted with, we know, number one, that he understands it, that he's experienced it, that he's walked through it, he's felt it. And that in feeling it and experiencing it and understanding it, he now can be merciful to us. He can now be understanding of us. And then he can be a a help to us as well. You guys, we want to know this morning that whatever you're going through right now, whatever challenges you're facing, whatever difficulties you're facing, that Jesus Christ has been there. And that he won. He beat those things. And we, in him can experience the same victory. We all, we all believe in here, or at least the majority of us believe in here, that we can experience eternal salvation, right? By trusting in Jesus. Now what's more difficult, eternal salvation or a struggle that you face each and every day of your life? Can we trust him to win in those areas as well? I, I might submit to you that trusting in him to help us win in those areas is evidence of trusting in him for the eternal peace of it proof that we do it's a, he becomes a merciful high priest and an understanding high priest. he doesn't just understand us because he created us he doesn't just understand us because he is God and he knows everything those are all true right but he understands us because he went through it. He went through it first so that we might go through it. Hebrews 4 and verse 15 I, I made reference to it a moment ago he says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is, who is in every respect, who in every respect has been tempted just like we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ has gone through everything that we go through. He's won so that we can win. The second part of Jesus Christ's health we'll find in the same verse, it says that he um, became a, a, a merciful and faithful high priest. So he understands us, and secondly, he intercedes for us. And the Bible talks about him being a faithful high priest. And what the the high priest did is entered into the Holy of Holies once a year and made a sacrifice, an, an intercession, if you will, for the sins of the people. Jesus Christ goes in on a regular basis, or went in once, and satisfied God's wrath eternally for all of those who believe. So that when we do fail... We not only have a, a faith, a high priest that understands us, but we also have a, a high priest that stands in our place before God so that we're considered righteous in God's eyes and he continues to bless us as his children. He's, he's interceding, he's speaking to God the Father on our behalf, he stands in between so that when we fail, our, our righteousness is not based in our failures, but it's based in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus became a faithful high priest. The word faithful there just means one who is trustworthy, one who we can rely upon, one who we can depend upon. No matter how hard we try in this life, there isn't a single one of us who will ever reach the state of perfection until we, we pass into the next life. So yes, it is, invalu- it is valuable to know that Christ understands us, but it is equally value to know, valuable to know that he intercedes for us. If Christ Jesus doesn't intercede for us, what does it drive us back to? If Christ Jesus doesn't intercede for us and we fail and we know eternal condemnation is coming, what does it drive us back to? Fear. Drives us right back to fear. And what does fear drive us to? Systems. Create a way to be in control, to feel safe and secure again. So to embrace that Christ understands us and therefore we can win in him, but also to understand that he intercedes for us. He is our intercessor before the Father and therefore our righteousness is based upon his righteousness. God the Father sees us in Christ. Our lives are hidden in Christ. He sees us in Christ. He sees Christ's righteousness and he then merits our lives as if we live within his righteousnesses. It's a a phenomenal truth of scripture that we live, it's almost as if Christ Jesus was wearing a a white robe and we were wearing a black robe. He took off his white robe and put it on us. We took off our black robe and put it on him and God treated him as if he were us based upon the robe that he was wearing and he treated us as if we were Christ based upon the garment that we were wearing. He was wearing our sins. We wear his righteousnesses. This is the most fear-defeating thing that we can understand in life. If we don't get a hold of that, our lives will be full of fear. That Christ Jesus stands as a high priest on our behalf. I think one of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible is when Jesus Christ appeared to Mary after his resurrection That was one of the most extraordinary things because it was a picture of the high priest and the sacrifice being made. And after the sacrifice was made and the high priest left the temple, when the high priest exited the temple, the people all cheered because it meant one thing and only one thing. And that was that the sacrifice had been accepted. When Jesus stood before Mary, it was the high priest saying to her, the sacrifice of me has been accepted by God forever. Forever. And then he rent the temple, in went the went the rent the uh, veil in the temple in two, and he tore that system apart, and he created not another system, he created a relationship. Listen, if we want to be free of that fear that drives us to systems, we have to understand that God understands us. We don't have to be afraid of temptation anymore. We have to understand that God intercedes on our behalf. Listen to what he says in Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Bible tells us that Christ Jesus is also our intercessor. He stands up for us. There's no one better to do that. The last thing this morning, he he knows us, he understands us, he intercedes for us. And then we have to know this, that he helps us. He says that he, he, uh, in verse 18, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. We have somebody who can help us. And he's right there, present and ready to help. He's there to help us. He's there to strengthen you in that moment of temptation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, um, for we are not tempted above that we are able, but he will with the temptation also make a way of escape. It's a beautiful picture of the fact that here is temptation and here is grace. Here is temptation and here is victory. And they come together. He will, with the temptation, make a way for victory. He helps us. He helps us. He gives us the strength again. Hebrews 4, 16, I wrote, quoted it to you earlier. Let, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Just really quick, how does he help us? Two things, we see them in, we see them in Luke four. Luke 4. He helps us through the word and he helps us through the spirit, through prayer. Those are our two sources of help that we have. We must depend upon those two things if we're going to be victorious. Remember this. I'm stealing Michael's. Michael's gonna be preaching in a few, in four weeks here, and this is one of the verses he's gonna deal with, so I'm stealing his verse. I told him that already. Jude 24, the Bible says this. Now to him who is able to keep you from, who is able to keep us from falling? Who is able to keep us from failure? It's not systems. It's not systems. Jesus Christ is the only one who is able to keep us from falling. So in those moments, we don't find rest in creating something that makes us back in control. We find rest in the one who was victorious and is victorious in us. And we find it through his word and we find it through prayer. In closing, be careful... Be careful to resist seeing your freedom as a license to sin. Be careful not to see your freedom in Christ as a license to sin. It is not, 1 Peter 2.16, live as people who are free, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Be careful not to see your liberty as a license To sin. So we face three things that cause us fear suffering, death, and temptation. And each one of those things that we face will drive us to fear, will drive us to systems. The Lord says, I want you to be free. I want you to live a life of freedom, not devoted to any systems or not comforted or controlled by any systems, but I want you to trust in Jesus. I want you to trust in my son and trusting in him leads us to victory, and this is called faith. First John 5 and verse 4 says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Let's pray together. And Father, we do thank you so much for the victory that we um, know is present in your son, Jesus Christ, and Lord, as we embrace him by faith, we know it is present within us and we can experience that victory in a practical way by trusting like we did for salvation, by trusting in Christ for daily deliverance. Help us, Lord God, not to fall back into those bondages that are not helpful at all, but to continue to walk in faith in Christ who is the one who brings the victory. We love you, Lord. We pray that you bless us in the remainder of our time. In Christ's name, amen.